First off, as we get ready to begin, let me, let me tell you, first off, uh, good job being here, good job making the effort to be here. Uh, something I was thinking about this afternoon as I was preparing, uh, our walk with Christ, our growth as disciples of Christ really is a stacking on process. It's not this one-time thing. It's not something that happens very quickly. It is actually this thing that takes time and we stack on it and we stack on it. Uh, I'm glad you're here tonight. tonight. We're going to stack on the foundation that we have uh, that we've been laying through all these hours, all these years of Bible study. I think about um, all the situations we'll come across and we'll face and how we'll be in a mess if we do not have the truth. Well, the way you have the truth is the consistent input of the truth. So let me just first off say good job uh, being here tonight. All right, let me ask you a question. And I'm going to ask on this first one if you'll raise your hand. Who here has ever faced trouble? You can raise your hand. All right, let me ask you a deeper question. Who here has ever faced trouble that they never imagined they would face? You can raise your hand. Some, I never dreamed that would happen. I never thought I would be in that situation. All right, don't raise your hand on this one. Who, who here has faced trouble so big or maybe so much of it or maybe over such a length of time that you start to wonder what's going on? What in the world is going on? There must be something wrong with me. There must be something I'm doing wrong. There must be something wrong with my faith. What is the deal? I've seen so much trouble. I can't imagine how I'm in this spot. Well, tonight in our Bible study, we're going to talk about what to do according to God himself, instructed by his word, and that's the whole point for our Bible study, when trouble comes. And so tonight, we're going to see what do we do, and what's our response when trouble comes, uh, and it's going to be taught to us through God's Word, from God Himself. Now, let me just say this. I, that's the lesson. Uh, we're going to cover some pretty, pretty exciting good things for us to know, but I wanted to start off and say this, and I think there's an importance uh, to warn you. So let me start off by saying this. Today, there is a brand a false teacher, remember last week we talked about false teachers and false teachings, there is a brand of false teacher and false teaching that says if you will follow Christ or if you will do certain things or if you will say and claim certain words that you can escape trouble as a follower of Jesus Christ. And it is a growing thing. There are giant churches formed on that false teaching. There are great followings uh, that occur in those types of false teaching. And it just says, you know, if you're a Christian, you can escape trouble. If you would know the right thing to do, maybe some right formula to put into practice, some special words to claim, you can escape trouble. Listen very carefully. Hear me very carefully. When you hear that, be sure and know you are listening to a false teacher with a false teaching, and listen to me very carefully. Get away from it. Get away from it. You know how I can say that, and I can say it very surely? Because it's not the testimony of Scripture. It is not the teaching of Scripture. And so when you find somebody that says, you know what, if, if you'll go by this formula, if you'll do these things, you will have no trouble in your life, you identify them. That is a false teacher with a false teaching because that is not the testimony of Scripture. Here's what the Bible says, and I, I challenge you to go look. 
The Bible says, Jesus says, Peter says, James says, uh, Paul says that following Christ, and I'll just tell you, especially following Christ, you will see trouble. You will have trouble. I've heard preachers say, and maybe you can say you've heard the same thing. I actually heard a preacher say, and, 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 the, and the guy had a, had a following, still does, that the favor of the Lord is so on him that when he drives, the streetlights turn green. He actually said that. When I, the favor of the Lord is so on me that when I drive, the streetlights turn green. He actually said that. I heard another preacher say, and, and, and I, this guy's got a huge following, that because he knows how to pray and because of his walk with Christ, that he gets better tickets for games. And he says, I went to a game and I had a good ticket, but you know what? I did this and I did that and somebody walked up and traded me for better tickets. And then he said the great thing was when he got to the parking lot, somebody said, you need to park in the front row. And so not only to get better tickets, he got a better parking spot for the game. I heard somebody else and they just said this, at the name of Jesus, bankruptcy has to flee. That's what they said. At the name of Jesus, bankruptcy has to flee and your finances will get better. I want to just go ahead and tell you, if you're set for bankruptcy on May 13th, I dare you to walk into court and say, Jesus, you know what's going to happen? They're going to look at you and then they're going to go through with your bankruptcy. <laughs> that is not the teaching of the Bible. Now, let me just tell you why I want to tell you that. And you say, well, that's kind of mean. Why not let them do what they want to do? If they think that, let them think that. Here's why I have to tell you the truth. That type of teaching causes more discouragement, not less. And so you're sitting there going, I don't know why I'm having these problems, and I don't know why things have turned out. And somebody told me if I would just pray this prayer, if I would just follow Christ, if I would just say this thing, I wouldn't have these problems. And it hurts people. I've watched folks. It hurts people. There must be something wrong with my faith. I must not be a believer like you're a believer. It wrecks people's lives. I've watched people as they go through trouble say, you know what? I can have no part of the church. The church, either God's a liar or the church is a liar or God's not powerful enough to do what he said he would do. And I've actually seen folks that their faiths were shipwrecked because somebody said, you're not gonna have trouble. You're not gonna have a hard day. And if you'll just claim these things. It is a dangerous thing. And let me just tell you why, because it's a lie. The New Testament says, Jesus says, the apostles tell us, in this world, what does Jesus say? You will have trouble. So, as believers living in the world, you can and you should expect trouble. I'll just tell you a story. I'll just tell you a story. It happened actually this Easter. One of the world's sweetest people, Rosa Woodard, was here. You know what she did on Saturday? On Saturday, she planted two new flowers in our pots. She set up a cross with flowers on it for folks to take pictures. She set up this table out here for the ladies night. She was here five, six, seven hours on Saturday, helping get ready for an Easter service. Did you see her on Easter Sunday morning? She, she gave me a hug in the back. She was glad for Easter Sunday, the, the Sunday we celebrate a resurrected, risen Savior. She was glad for that. 
You know what happened at the end of the service? She was outside and she stepped off the curb, broke her arm in three places, has a plate put in, and she's in for a pretty long haul of, of some tough stuff. You know what? That's not fair. That's not fair. I wouldn't say it to y'all, but I know people that should break their arms. She should not break, <laughs> she should not break her arms. That's not fair. That's not fair. Let me tell you something. In this world, you will have trouble. In reality, that is the reality of the world we live in. You will have trouble. Now, let me just go ahead and keep moving. Why would we have trouble? I, I was pondering this today. You know what would be better? No trouble. No trouble would be better. You know what would happen? Our church would grow if we never had trouble. Um, you know what? Uh, it would be, our life would be so much better if we never had any trouble. That's what we think. Why do we have trouble? Why do we have trouble? Here's the answer. It is because we live in this world. We live in this world. John chapter 16, verse 33, I already said it once. Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. Another translation says, you will have trouble. In the world, that's what Jesus said, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Now listen, when you put your faith in Christ, he doesn't lift you out of this world. We're still in this world. He doesn't say, no, you're not gonna live in this world any longer. We live in this world. Now, why, why is there trouble in the world? Let me just give you one answer. Because of sin, because of sin. Because of sin, the world has a curse. Because of sin, we live in what we call a fallen world. There are problems in the world because of sin, sin as a whole. Our world doesn't operate as it should in the absence of sin because there's sin in the world. Now, let me just give you a couple of other things. So it's the effect of sin that causes problems in the world, but it's also, it could be the effects of other people's sin. And so when somebody does something sinful, when they decide to go in somewhere and shoot 10 people, because of their sin, other people have trouble. And then here's another one we don't like so much. It's because of the effects of our sin. Did you know in this world, as well-meaning as we are, we sin. I sin. We sin. And when you sin, you know what? It brings trouble. I didn't listen to God. I did what I wanted to do. And so my sin has brought a consequence. And so here's the deal. It is the effect of sin as a whole. It could be the effect of somebody's sin or it could be the effect of our sin, but we have trouble because we live in the world. Now, here's the thing. So get used to it. Be prepared for it. Be ready for it. In this world, we will have trouble. All right, so from here, we're gonna start to go through the Bible study, actually, and see how do we cope with trouble. You're gonna have trouble. There's gonna be troubles that spring up. It could be just the, the fact that this is a sorry world. Could be something you did that brings trouble in your life. Does it matter how do you answer trouble? How do you cope with trouble? All right, I'm gonna walk you through it. The first thing we do is this. Trust God. Trust God. We have to remember who God is. That's how you trust God. Um, if, if I were to go somewhere and say, here's a, here's a random person, um, I go to the mall in Wichita Falls and, and somebody's walking out of, out of the, on the border, whatever it is, and they walk out and I say, 
hey, there's a person. Can you hold my $10,000? Well, I can. They might hold it. They might drive off. They're probably going to drive off. What is the difference in walking out and saying, hey, there's my granny who I know and who's raised me and who gave me some of her $10,000. Take my $10,000. The difference is knowing the one that you trust. Well, we have to know God if we're going to trust God. We have to remember who he is. Now, it's weird because this keeps happening every single week. We have to remember God is kind. Is he kind? God is good. He's infinitely good. Is he good? He is living. He is active in our world. He hears our prayers. He is active. He hasn't stepped back. He's active in our world. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is powerful. You have to know God is powerful. He's not impotent. He's not able, he's not, not able to act. He can act. He is powerful. You have to know that. And then we have to know he is our father. And I thought about this. What a great picture that is, that my father in God is kind, is gracious, is strong, is powerful, is good, is wise, and then treats me as a father would treat his kids. And so I have to know, is he mad at me? Is he trying to smash me up? Has he got bad things for me? No, he's the way I am with my kids and even more so infinitely because he is a good father. And so in a trouble-filled world, we have to trust God. And the way we trust God is we have to remember who he is. Now, I'm just gonna say as I was writing this up, you knew it was gonna happen sooner or later and so here it is already early in our Bible, Bible study. The way you remember who he is is time spent in the word of God. I was just thinking, is that not the seventh week in a row we've heard that? You can go out and stare at the sun until you think you might know who God is, you're not gonna know who God is. You can go out and sit Indian style in your yard and ponder all these things, you're not gonna know God to a greater extent the way you remember who God is, is time spent in the word of God. Over and over and over again. Every, how do you deal with depression? How do you deal with anxiety? How do you know what God's calling for, your, his will in your life? It is time spent in the word of God. Over and over. There are no shortcuts. I think sometimes we think, well, just give me the magic thing and I'll have this all taken care of. There's no shortcuts. It's time inordinately spent in the word of God. You have to hear the word of God. You have to be in Bible studies where we study the word of God. You have to memorize the word of God. You need to hear sermons where we're preaching the word of God. You need to spend time yourself reading the word of God. I don't know why that's so hard for us. It looks like that's the first step in all seven weeks. You have to spend time in the word of God. If you do not, you'll forget who God is. If you do not remember who God is, you're going to have a hard time trusting him. I can tell you this. For me, if I spend much time distant from the word of God, I start to very quickly gravitate to who I used to be. My old responses, my old language, my old attitudes start to come back if, as I start. And it doesn't have to be three days, four days, whatever many days. And all of a sudden you start to go, well, I don't know if I see that correctly. I don't know if I'm going to respond correctly. We have to spend time in the word of God 
There are no shortcuts. Inordinate amounts of time spent in the word of God. All right, that's the first thing. Trust God. The second thing is you have to trust Christ as your personal savior. Now, how did you get saved? By trusting Christ as your personal savior. But how do you walk in faith as a saved person? It hasn't changed. By trusting Christ as your personal savior. Now think about that. The way we know God is through Christ. The way we have access to God is through Christ. Um, it's, not, it's not this broad sweeping thing like all of y'all will know God. It is individual. It's an individual thing. You know God through Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He knows where you're at. He knows what trouble you're going through. He knows where you've been. He knows your heart. He's not fooled by what you're doing. He knows your heart. So we have an individual relationship with Christ. Think about the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We actually have a friend in Jesus. We have a friend in Jesus. And so we have to have a personal walk with Jesus. That verse I started out earlier, John 16, in the world you will have tribulation. Here's what Jesus says, take courage, I have overcome the world. So you know what? We have to have a personal walk with Jesus. That's how we're saved. That's how we walk as saved people. All right, that's the next thing. Here's the, here's the third thing. We have to keep an eternal perspective. We have to keep an eternal perspective. You have troubles, you have to keep an eternal perspective. Here, here's the deal. If you, and I'm talking about you as an individual, ever get your vision too narrow, if you ever get your vision on the here and now, you will get discouraged you will get depressed and your troubles will overcome you. Your troubles will defeat you. And so if you say, you know what? I can't believe this has happened and I can't believe this is wrong and it's eight o'clock in the morning and I'm worried about what this thing is and at 10 o'clock in the morning, I, I can't see anything but this thing. If your vision is too narrow, if your focus is on the here and now, you can't help but get discouraged. Just right now, we got a pandemic, we got this, we got governor's orders, we got to do this, and we got that, and our, and our government does this. And, and if you start looking at that, my check didn't come, and my check's coming, and I spent it already. Whatever your deal is, if you'll get that narrow, you will become depressed and discouraged, and your troubles will overcome and defeat you. As believers, we have to remember, listen, eternity is real. We have to remember Heaven is real. We have to remember that. Philippians chapter three, verse 20, I was looking at this afternoon. It says we are citizens of heaven. You know what? This world's not our home. That's what the Bible says. This world is not our home. In this world, there's lots of trouble. I have to remember eternity is real. Heaven is real. Revelation says there is coming a day when there's going to be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, says the former things will have passed away, no more jealousy, no more addiction, no more division, and we are going to actually be in heaven in eternity. We have to keep that perspective. You have to hold that perspective. As I go through these days, you know what? Eternity is real. Heaven is real. 
Do you know what trouble means? Don't say anybody's name. I've heard people say that. In the original language, in the Greek, trouble means stirred up or agitated. Listen very carefully. What should be at rest, what should be still, what should be on solid footing is stirred up or agitated. And that's what the definition, the Greek, the original language here, the biblical language, that's the actual definition of trouble. And so you know what? You ought to be calm. You ought to be situated. Your foundation hasn't moved and all of a sudden you start getting, a, well, I don't know, you start getting a little bit agitated, you start getting a little bit stirred up. Now that, that is the picture of trouble. Here's the deal. When we get our eyes on our trouble and we lose the perspective of eternity, we're going to start to become stirred up. And it's going to happen quicker and more easily all the time. I, I thought about a good example. I wouldn't do it in here because of this carpet. But if you take a Coke bottle and you stir it up, and it, it's just sitting there, it should be fine, but you stir it up and you stir it up and you stir it up and you stir it up. You know what's going to happen to that Coke bottle? It's going to finally blow up. It's finally going to blow up and it's going to blow stuff out that can't ever go back in. It's going to blow stuff out that you can't find anymore. And that is the picture of us. If your eyes are too narrow, if you forget that eternity is real, you'll start to get so consumed with these things that it's coming. You're, getting, you're starting to fizz off a little bit and sooner or later you're going to blow up and it's going to be a big old mess. We have to have an eternal perspective, all right? The next thing is this. We have to remember Jesus is coming again. Now, that sounds very similar. I'm going to explain it. It's not the same thing. It's, it's, it's related, but it's not the same thing. It's more than an eternal perspective. I can have an eternal perspective. Heaven is real. I understand heaven is real. But if, I, if I'm missing the, the, the truth that Jesus is coming again, that can seem so distant so far that it doesn't impact me. What this means is Jesus is coming again. What that means is this will end. This will end. This will end. The best part of this, it'll end. The hardest parts of this, it will end. This afternoon I did a funeral and I was out at a cemetery and I was in the cemetery and we're waiting a few minutes before the funeral began and I was walking around and there was, there was a couple that I knew years ago and, and he had passed away, I think in 2005 and she had passed away in 2017. And I just walked by and I thought, I didn't know where they ended up. I didn't know they were buried here. Um, I, I remember they had passed away. But at one time, these people had it all. They had stuff and they had land and they, were, they had stuff and they were, they'd worked hard for it and God had blessed them. But I remember, this is it. This is where they're at. Good stuff didn't matter here. Bad stuff didn't matter here. Reputation didn't matter here. Their, their dirt was just blowing over top of them. Their bodies are, are sitting there. This will all end, 
And for followers of Jesus Christ, we will actually be with Jesus. We will be with Jesus. And so let me just tell you right now, whatever your trouble is right now, and I don't know what your trouble is, whatever your trouble is, however great your trouble is, however long you've been in your trouble, how, how, how many your troubles are, maybe you got 41 troubles, there will be a day when your troubles will end, they will be no more, and you will be with Jesus. You know what, that's, that's an eternal perspective is tremendous, but this is even better. There'll be a day when there'll be no more sorrow. And there'll be no more tears to cry and whatever the problems you're having with your kids and whatever problem you're having with your finances or whatever crazy things you've gone through with your health, all of those troubles will have ceased and you will be in the presence of Jesus. We have to remember Jesus is coming again. We call Jesus our hope. We call him our blessed hope. We write it on our Christmas cards. He is our hope. He's the hope of the world. He's our, the blessed hope. Uh, this, this week in, in our Easter sermon, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we talked about the last of that section. If we've hoped in Jesus in this world alone, that's what it said, we are of all people most to be pitied. Our hope is to be in eternity, free from trouble in the reality of heaven in the presence of Jesus and I was just sitting there thinking about those words today. If we have hoped in Jesus for this world only, in this world only, we're of, most, of all people most to be pitied. You know what? If, if I thought Jesus was a word I could say to escape bankruptcy and that's all I thought he was, if I thought Jesus was the word I could say and never have a trouble in my family, my kids again, and that's all I thought he was, you know what? I'm of all people most to be pitied. There is coming a day, according to God's own word, when I will be in the presence of Jesus Christ and in the presence of Christ, our troubles will be gone. We have to remember Jesus is coming again. I was, I was looking a while back at Christmas. We were talking about some of the songs we sing at Christmas and, and, and one of the songs was written by slaves. And I, and I bought a book of, of songs that were written by slaves at that time. Uh, somebody, had, somebody had put them down and written them down. And you go through and read those, uh, read those songs, and it talks about this world's hard. This world's hard. Better words than that, but this world's hard. Um, and then almost all the songs are about Jesus coming again. Jesus is coming again. Do you know what? What if, you're, what if your life was not going to get better? What if you were going to be a slave and, and live as a slave and die as a slave? Your song would be about Jesus coming again. Their songs were about Jesus coming again. We have to keep that perspective. Let me, let me just ask this, and I don't need to an answer. We say that all the time. Why don't we believe it? And you say, we do believe it. Well, then why hasn't changed much? Why are we worrying so much? Why are we panicking so much? Why are we, why are we, why are we taking up poor perspectives? Why don't we actually believe Jesus is coming again very soon? I will end with Christ in the absence of trouble. He is coming again. Why don't we believe it? All right, so we have to remember Jesus is coming again. All right, here's the next thing. This one is a big deal that maybe we overlook. It is a big deal, and that is this. Pray for provision. Pray for provision. 
God is our help. He sees our trouble. He is powerful. He's able to do something about it. And and he's our help in trouble. Remember Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength. Listen to this. A very present help in trouble. Not an ancient, long ago help. He is a present help in trouble. All right, so we have to do this. We have to pray for provision as we go through the life filled with trouble. What does that mean? It means we ask him for help. God, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I don't know how this is gonna work out. I don't know the answer here. I have no sense and can't make a good decision. We ask for help. We ask for wisdom. We ask for perspective. God, give me the right perspective. We ask for his word to guide us. God, show me where, where, what you're saying in your word and how I apply it to this situation. We ask him for encouragement. We ask him for strength. God, I don't know if I can make this. I need strength. We actually go to him and, and ask him for the provision we're gonna need to make it through the tough times of trouble. We spend time praying for provision in trouble. Here's what I've noticed. And I'm talking about me and I'm talking about all of us. For some reason, we go everywhere else first and then all of a sudden we become great in prayer. And so, you know what? You have a trouble with this thing? I'll go to the expert in this thing. I'll go see what my parents say about this thing. I'll go see if I can get all my neighbors to tell me what they did when they had this thing. I'll go seek out these folks and their advice for this thing. And when that doesn't work and that doesn't work and that doesn't work and that doesn't work, all of a sudden we go, God, I I need to have an answer from you. We should be quick to go to God. You know what? I'm gonna go there first. Here's a problem. It springs up. Didn't expect it. Don't want it. Don't like it. God, give me wisdom. God, give me encouragement. God, give me strength. And we actually go to him for provision for the journey through our troubles. We go to him in prayer and we do it fast and we do it first. That's what we do. We have to be trained to go to him in prayer. Here's another one. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says God is gonna send us, and there's a couple names for the Holy Spirit, but but one of them is a comforter, a comforter. Here's the truth. God lives in us as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, we're sealed until the day of, of redemption when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us and he will lead us. He will guide us. Guess what? He will encourage us. He will strengthen us. Um, He lives in us and lives to do these things. He will empower us. So how do we rely on the Holy Spirit? (laughs) There's two words, obey and trust. Trust and obey. There's a song that says that. We have to trust and obey. Really, I take that and put that into a, a, a better or a different word. Maybe, I don't know if it's better. And that is to submit. We have to submit to what the, the Holy Spirit says, keep your mouth shut. I better submit. Holy Spirit says, 
move forward according to what I've said in my word. I have to say, I'm going to move forward. The Holy Spirit says, you know what? That's a sinful decision. You ought not go there or be involved in that. I have to submit. Now, it's trusting, it's obeying, but I have to submit to the Holy Spirit. You know what? Uh, He's encouraging me. I have to submit to that. We come along and say, I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want. God, I don't want to hear that right now. And then all of a sudden, everything's blown up. Wheels are falling off. House on fire. Everything's in a wreck. And you go, okay, God, I'm ready to submit. We have to submit. We have to submit. Trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you will know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Another place it says we are not orphans. I didn't leave you as orphans. Sometimes you think, I'm in so much trouble, I can't see straight anymore. I feel like I'm all alone in this. You know what? If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you are not alone. He lives inside of you. All right, rely on the Holy Spirit. And then here's the last thing. What do we do? This, one's, this one is, is tough. We actually walk in peace. Walk in peace. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Walk in peace. Now, let me explain that. Walking in peace is an act of your will. You choose to do it or you choose not to do it. Sometimes you think, well, I'm just going to do it because that's just what's happened. This is a, a thing that you have to choose and practice to do. You have to walk in peace. Now, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says he gives us his peace. He tells us, It's not the peace that the world would give. The world's peace can be snatched back from you. The world's peace never lasts. So I give you peace. It's not the peace that the world would give. The Bible says it's not even a peace the world can understand. So when the world's going crazy, I have a peace the world can't even understand. He gives it to us. But listen, we have to take it and walk in it. It's like a swimming pool. I can have a swimming pool and I could talk about the swimming pool, and I could be proud of the swimming pool. I could take pictures of the swimming pool, but sooner or later, you got to get in the swimming pool. It's an act of getting in the swimming pool. Um, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, you have to take it and walk in his peace. Now, what does that mean? That's really the application of this whole lesson. You have to do the things that we have just talked about in order to have the peace, to receive the peace, and to walk in that peace. That's the application. Um, 
when we could be shaken. And let me tell you, there's, there's things that happen to us as believers that, are, that should shake us. They ought to shake us. Um, when our instinct is to be rattled, our instinct is to go, wow, that's not going to work. That's not ever going to pan out. I don't know how much trouble you've had, but the more trouble you've had and the more frequent between the episodes of trouble, it starts to grow that you start to go, I need to panic. I need to freak out. I've had so much trouble that all I know is trouble. And our instinct is to be rattled. When we could be rattled or when our instinct is to be shaken, here's what we have to do. We have to trust God. Is is he good? Is he kind? We have to turn to Christ, our personal Savior. We have to see the eternal. We got to throw the brakes on and say, there's coming a day and there's going to be a place uh, when the tabernacle of God will be among men and we will be with him. We have to remember Jesus is coming again. And that's when we're going to be in his presence, praise the Lord, and we're going to be free from all these things. We have to pray, the Bible says, without ceasing. You have to do that. You have to take comfort in the Holy Spirit. And when you do all of those things, guess what you do? The peace that he gives us, you apply and you walk in that peace. Here's here's what makes me sad about me. As believers, when we're not walking in peace, we're reflecting poorly on the one that gave us the peace. And let let me put it to you this way. As believers, there should be a difference in us and the world. Now, I can tell you 10 different ways there should be differences, but one of the differences is that we have peace. And so when the world's going crazy, when the world's panicking, when the world is flipping their lid, we should say, you know what, I have peace. And it ought to be so observable that someone says they must follow the prince of peace and it must point to the peace that he gives that the world can't give and it should be a testimony to him. It is a sad thing when I do not respond in peace. It is a terrible thing. It's a terrible witness on my part when I do not actually walk in peace. The point to all that is this. If we will do these things, you will have troubles. You will have gut-wrenching troubles. But if you will do these things, even in them, you will have peace. And we can walk in that peace. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I'm glad you were here tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for peace, not based upon me being good, not based upon works that I might have to do, not based upon a great reputation, not based upon my past, not based upon how I'm gonna do in the future, but a peace that is finished and settled in the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. A peace that endures, a peace that outlasts a cemetery, a peace that will pass through all the troubles, a peace that is finished and settled in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us here tonight. Help us to walk in peace. Help us to trust you. Help us to spend time in your word that we would know you. Help us to respond in a way that we would, we would lean and trust and submit on the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And Lord, for your name's sake, for your glory, let us be a different people a peace-filled people. And then we just come tonight and I pray for all these folks gathered here 
those that are listening as well, bless us for your namesake. Use us for your glory. Convict us where we're wrong. Forgive us, Lord, where we ask and where we repent. And most of all, may we be a people that are pleasing to you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Glad you were here tonight.